0: You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org.
1: We wave high the flag of freedom as a patriotic reminder to never take our independence for granted. Fireworks explode into the night sky, lighting up the darkness. Reminding us of our nation's calling in the world. One nation under God. We look into the sky and remember that for all the freedom we have to celebrate, we must never forget our dependence on God. It was by His hand we were afforded our independence. So we might stand for liberty, remembering He set us free from the bondage of sin. So we might stand for justice, for the Lord loves justice, and He will not forsake His saints so we might stand for freedom because we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We thank you, God, for the beautiful gift of our country. May we always depend on you to sustain us.
0: church. We are so glad you're here. Are you ready to celebrate God's goodness this morning? Yes. Uh, so uh, we had an incredible time uh, at our middle school, middle school camp and our kids camp this week. Uh, our kids, listen, we're memorizing verses all week. They were hearing good gospel preaching. We were singing. It was just an incredible time. So we thank you for being just an incredible church that would support us to do something like that. Uh, In the next week, we're going to be going to uh, beach camp, to North Myrtle Beach for our high school camp. We ask you to be praying for that. Also, uh, we've got VBS. I know last Sunday you guys heard me mention that, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but I will tell you a quick story. Uh, In between services this morning, one of our uh, senior members (coughs) came to me and said, Hey, I have never served with kids ministry ever. And he says, Let me tell you what happened last week. He said, when you got up and you gave the call that we needed help with Vacation Bible School and how important it was, he said, I knew it was God calling me. He said, on my way to church, he says, I sensed God telling me, you know, that I needed to do something for him, and I didn't know what it was that he wanted me to do. And then when you said that, I knew that God was calling me to do something. Listen, we need all hands on deck. It's July 24th through the 26th. As I said before, 70% of churches that normally do vbs are not doing it this year because of coronavirus of the ones that are doing it a lot of those are going to be online we have an opportunity as of right now to minister to our community and we really need all hands on deck number one what we need you to do is we need the prayer force brought in not the air force we need the prayer force brought in that means our whole church coming together praying daily Asking God to bring in kids that can hear His gospel message this week, and that we can serve them and their families, and prayer that God would send laborers to help us this 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 time. So, um, <clears throat> so we need you to do that. Number one. So everybody say number one. Okay, that's a prayer for us. Number two, we need you to contact the church office and tell us that you're ready to do. You don't know how to do it, and listen you may be scared of kids and to be honest i am a little bit too so (coughs) uh and you might not know you know i don't know if i could teach a lesson but listen we're going to need people pouring drinks we're going to need people helping just greet people we're going to need people helping to set up designs and those things there's there's plenty for you to do no matter what your skill set no matter what your calling is and we'll probably challenge you a little bit to even do a little bit more than you think you could so please 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 Carve that time out, July 24th to the 26th, It's uh, and, and just let, number one, we need you praying. Number two, we need you to call the church office or email isaiah at ebcconnect.org. If you're not sure how to spell Isaiah, just open up your Bible to the Old Testament, and you'll see Isaiah, and then put at ebcconnect.org. All right, everybody got that? Hey, let's pray. Let's uh, invite the Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. And uh, we're celebrating our Independence Day weekend, but we're also every day that we're a Christian, we are celebrating our independence, freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from hell and the grave. Listen, we have a lot to celebrate this morning. We have a lot to be joyous and happy about. So whatever it is that you saw on the news this morning that's got you down. Listen, you need to crack open that Bible and get ready for some good news this morning, all right? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for our independence. God, yes, we're happy for a country that that we can worship how we need to worship. But God, we're even so much more happy for the independence that you have given us from the depravity of man. And from sin and the sinful heart, God. And that you have made a way for us to be connected with God again. So this morning, God, we thank you and we want to lift you up, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. And you have taken our sinful state and you have made us, God, made us righteous in the eyes of God. Who else could do that? So this morning, God, we thank you, and we want to celebrate you. Lord, we pray over Vacation Bible School. God, we pray over Beach Camp. We pray over every outreach and and for every person who is ministering to their neighbors during this time and every person that's ministering at their job, God, and all that you have going out of this church. So this morning, God, we thank you for the opportunity to come here to worship. We invite your spirit to come speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. The great news that we have to share, and and along with all of the bad news and crud that we watch on TV or see in the online or whatever, hear people talk about, is that we have the great news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that brings us from death into life, from an old life into a new life that identifies with Him. And that all happened through the cross of Jesus Christ and His willingness to sacrifice and die for our sins and then come back to life again to give us victory over that sin.
3: Is one for me. for me, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trouble i e strength, my soul, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest strife,
2: sacrifice you've given for us, for the life that you provide for us, for the love and the power that we can stand in. God, let us live our lives to say thank you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.
1: morning, church. How are you? Happy Fourth of July weekend. Um, I'm so glad to see you. Just stuff on the roof. Don't worry about it. Um, it, sa- it sounds like you did about 10 o'clock last night in different places, didn't it? Just it Pops here and there, and um, I don't know how your sleep went last night, but... Um, There is an advantage to living out in the middle of nowhere um, because you don't hear quite as much. Hmm. I don't know. Is it me? could be. It is. Okay, perfect. All right, let's do... um Well, I was going to steal the black one. Okay, well, ooh, yeah. All right, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right, just um, yellow because it matches my outfit. Not really. Um, anyways, it's um, now I got to get back back on track. So, in getting ready for this morning, um, the good again, the good thing about living out in the middle of nowhere is that there there wasn't a whole lot of noise. So. Um, so it wasn't bad out there. I don't know where how it was where you're at. Um, I trust that you've had a good weekend. I know it's been I know it's been warm. It's been it's been wonderful. There's a lot of stuff going on, and um, I know that there may have been some of you at the beach over this last week, and and some of you stayed away from the beach. I was kind of watching cameras online and and seeing what different folks were doing, um, but it when we talk about. Um, just the Independence Day weekend, there are some things that, they, that help us and, and really kind of drive home some points for us, especially if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we can talk about independence and we can talk about um, all those things regarding a nation, but the truth is when we talk about that, we are still limited, now we have we have freedom as someone in a country that is essentially free, but we are limited in that. True freedom only comes through Jesus Christ, and it's the it's not just the freedom to do whatever I want to do. It's the freedom from the penalty of my sin. It's the the freedom to live according to the grace that God has provided, and that's what John is talking about in. Um, in his first letter here, um, last week we began this series called The Upside, and we're talking about John's um, letter, it's a fairly short letter, it covers several topics, and you know he was the writer of the gospel, he was part of Jesus' inner circle. Um, here he's writing a pastoral letter to a group of folks, and we see that even at the beginning of the section of scripture we're going to talk about this morning. Um, he's writing to combat Gnosticism, and so um, just Gnostic thought was was that material is separate from spiritual, and so um, they separated sin out in a different way. They looked at even the coming of Jesus and his presence differently. They say he didn't come in the flesh, but we we understand that that Jesus came in the flesh. So so he's combating that and. And he desperately wants those that are reading this letter to be assured of their salvation and then live like they belong to God's family or live in a manner that reflects God's goodness and God's grace and His light. Um, last week in verse 5, we talked about how God was light and in Him there is no darkness at all, not not even a trace of it. So if you looked for it, you wouldn't find it. And if you don't find darkness, you don't find a compromise of his purity and who he is. We also talked about Jesus being there in the flesh. And in the Gospel of John, he does the same kind of thing. It's the the idea that we looked on him, we saw him, and then we beheld him and we touched him. And so John makes a point of that. He says, here's Jesus present, really God in the flesh, He's knowable and touchable. And then the idea that loving others is a result of a relationship with a loving God. And then obeying His commands brings assurance of salvation. Now, I want to be real clear before we go any further that you could do all the things, you can live out all these commands and be a pharisaical about it, and still be missing out on the relationship with Christ. Keeping the commands of God is not the prerequisite for relationship with God. It is an evidence of relationship with God. Okay, so, so hear that very clearly because John's going to talk about keeping the commands of God or keeping the commandments, and there's a distinction here. In that relationship starts first, and and because of God's grace, the keeping the commandments comes out of that. It's not the, it's not the other way around where you feel like you're earning God's favor. And so, when we look at First John and this letter, um, John is pretty clear about what it means to have a relationship with God, and he's passionate about it. And so, I, I want us to just for a second step to the side and talk about our independence as a nation. Our Declaration of Independence in the second paragraph um, says some pretty interesting things. I want to look at that for a second. It says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if we were to break that down, because, because as we look at this, this will kind of set us up for the idea that we're going to talk about this morning, which is truth. Um, if we look at this, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. So there's a truth that is going to be laid out here, and it's self-evident that the idea of self-evident, or the definition of that, is to be evident without proof. It's obvious. Now let, me, let me make an obvious statement, and I don't think anybody would argue about it. The pews that you're sitting on, self-evident, they are designed to hold your weight. Nobody questioned that. You came in, you sat down, it's obvious. Um, And if we took that out, if we just said, well, it's it's not that obvious, but but you just came in and sat down, there is a trust factor that goes with that, and it's essentially an obvious thing. And so we could we can look at that and say, okay, the pews that are here are obviously designed for my seating. And so what the writers of the Declaration of Independence here say, these truths that are going to be based on a, on God are self-evident. They don't need backing. They are obvious to those that are reading about them that all men are created equal. Now, I know there's debate about what our what the fathers of this country thought about that. Because some of them, their lives may not have reflected exactly what we would think their lives should. Hence this whole pursuit of knocking down statues and, and wiping out the, um, faces off a, off a mountain and all that argument. But, but when they write this, they're not necessarily writing their personal feelings into it. They're writing a particular truth that has to do with a creator, a God that is existent and recognized. And so when they write this, they write it and they say, all men are created equal. And I don't see any caveat in that writing that says we're going to not cre- not respect or think that someone is equal, whether they be a different skin tone or a different belief system. All men are created equal by the Creator, and we ought to treat them as such. And so they, they write, all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and those rights get spelled out, but among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Um, That word unalienable means that they cannot be revoked. So we don't take those rights away. Every person has those rights to pursue these things. Now, whether they decide to pursue them legally or illegally is still a question, but still have, as a created being of God, has that right to pursue these things, and that's what they set up. And so the writers knew I think that truth would be debated if it depended on the truth or if it depended the truth of man or depended on man in and of himself. And so they write in, they say, it's based on God. So they started with God. The whole idea that our founders were completely separate from God kind of does away with this, at least this phrasing in our Declaration of Independence. So they were seeking independence from a nation, another nation, that wanted to keep them down or or chain them up, so to speak, by different ways. And so they were saying, God has provided for us freedom. God's given us rights, and we're going to exercise those rights by breaking away from the tyranny of Great Britain and pursue it as a nation in and of ourselves. Because we believe that just like you have rights, we do too. And so they write this. And, and when we get to the, let's go ahead and read that. It says this, and here's the pastoral part. It says, my little children. It's not a look down on. It's, a, it's not a yell from across the room like a, like a dad might to a child. But it is, it is more the come close Listen to what I have to say. I want you to hear this, and I want you to to kind of grasp hold of it. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Our first point this morning is that God defines truth. God defines truth. Uh, If we looked at this, we'd say that God, the person of God, is trustworthy and pure. If we go back to 1 John 1, 5, where it says God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we take that just at face value, we we know that God is pure, so the things that come out of God are pure and trustworthy. And when God defines truth, it has a it has a transcendence to it. God is the source of lasting truth. Not temporary truth, but lasting truth. And we could ask this question: doesn't truth change with time and or is revealed over a period of time? And today's truth may not be the same as tomorrow if we look at it like that. We could say we could develop a statement of truth now, but if circumstances change, does the truth change? It's, it's the same thing that we talked about last week when we talked about shifting moral standards. This would be shifting truth. If truth changes or shifts, then it becomes dangerous because then I can make it say whatever I want. But that's not what the truth that is designed and and made by God, defined by God, that's not what that truth is. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And then 700 years-ish later, Jesus makes a statement in John 17, 17. He says, Your word is truth. And he makes this declaration and says, God, you have defined truth. Your word is truth. And so we could look at Scripture and we could find places where some other truth is is expressed or, or claimed. Um, so there are different truths, but I, I would do air quotes around that and say, yeah, there are other truths, but there's only one truth that really stays permanent and and can be trusted. I mean, the psalmist said in Psalm 25, 5, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. And if we trust God for our salvation, it makes sense. And Because if God's word is true and we trust that God's word is true, we trust him for our salvation, it makes sense that his version of truth would be the same one that we would trust to encompass all of life. The truth of God brings us knowledge about what grace does in our life. Look at verse 1. says, My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We want that truth to be true. We want that truth to be steady. We want it to be rock solid. Because we know us, we know that we sin. And we need not just the propitiation, not just the sacrifice for our sin, but we need someone that comes along and says, before the Father, before Holy Holy God, we need somebody that declares our righteousness, that the sacrifice that Jesus made applies to this person. We need Jesus to go before us and, and say, He belongs to me. For she belongs to me. So the truth from God brings us knowledge of what grace does in our life. The truth from God also brings us understanding that God initiated an atoning sacrifice on our behalf. And this truth is not a product of man. The truth that we read about in Scripture is not a product of man. If it were a product of man, it could change and sway with our different Feelings or emotions. So we have to be very careful with saying, hey, this is truth and it come from us. The only thing that we can truly say is truth is that which comes from God. In Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then the psalmist writes in Psalm 119.160, it says, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. You see, truth, when we design it, would be faulty. But God designs truth, and it is perfect, and it is pure. And our heart, our lives are only healed by that which is in God's truth. Ravi Zacharias said this, When I do things my way, I exhaust pleasure very quickly. It is not that Christianity has failed to teach me how to delight in God's presence. It is that I have failed by seeking pleasure through godless ways or by resisting God's provision for me because it is not what I want. See, truth as we design it, if we were to put it on paper... Would, would fluctuate and would move according to our desires. But God has defined what perfect truth is. The second point is that believers discern truth. Believers discern truth. Now, Pilate in John 18.38 asks a, a really good question. He, he asked this question. Now, you know, he and Jesus are having a conversation. It's right before Jesus is crucified, and he asks this question, What is truth? What is truth? And so where do you look for truth? And we can seek the answer to that question in a variety of places. And we can even try to find the answer for that apart from God. But when we do, we fall away or or get away from the very bedrock of what Scripture says. And and eventually, it will fall short. When we lived in Kentucky, um, I'm going to tell on my daughter for just a second. When we lived in Kentucky, um, and you may do this. When you get home from church on a, a Sunday afternoon, do you find the big chair or the couch and you just kind of sit down you, you turn on golf because they whisper, and, and you can hear birds and all that kind of stuff and just, just a little bit of sound, and eventually you just doze off, right? I mean, that's, that's what that's for. Uh, I think that's why they put it on Sunday afternoon is for those of us that need to take a nap and we still want some kind of sound. So, so in, when we were in Kentucky, I did that. I, I sat in the big chair. I got very comfortable. And at that time, I was drinking green tea. And so I, I, would, I took it, I put it next to the chair, and, and, and I dozed off. And I must have dozed off really well. Because while I was out, um, Becca did something. Um, what she did is she took that bottle of green tea and went into the kitchen and replaced the green tea with olive oil. same shade of whatever that is, and put it back. And so when I woke up, now now I will say in Becca's defense, she got permission, which means there were two culpable people in this story. Um, she got permission, and so when I woke up, I just had it, picked it up, took a big old swig, and at that point I knew that it was not what I wanted and um, I didn't swallow it, but I was slick for a couple days. Um, What appeared as truth was not true. It had been changed. And what may appear for us as true when we venture away from God's Word may not be true. The test is always God's Word. You see, we can very easily... be adept at substitution or adaptation or exchange. Romans 1 says this in verse 24 and 25, it says, Therefore God gave them up to in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. because Now here, here's the phrase, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever see, what they did is, is what was supposed to be true They and who they were supposed to worship was exchanged. And they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And we can do that with the truth when we take it upon ourselves to define it. But God defines truth, and believers are to discern truth. And discerning truth is through the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit. A quoted part of John seventeen seventeen, but the other it says your word is truth. The other part of that is, um, as Jesus prayed, he said sanctify them in the truth, or to mature them, or grow them, mold them in the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. John fourteen seventeen says this: even in this, even the Spirit of Truth, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I mean, that's an upside for us that when we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us and is there to help us not only discern the truth, but to live out the truth. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. So do you want to know the truth? And when I I was getting this together, the thing that kept going through my mind was this, this scene from the movie, um, A Few Good Men, where Jack Nicholson, you, if you've seen the movie, fine. If you haven't seen the movie, um, uh, all he asks is this question or, or makes this statement. You can't handle the truth. If you're familiar with the movie, you know it. And when we look at God's truth, there are parts of it that we may balk against, we may push back on. Because we don't like it. We can't handle it. We don't really want to swallow it. Sometimes the truth is hard to swallow. And it could be in terms of bad news or uncomfortable situations. We can have a hard time believing or owning the truth. Because we don't necessarily want to seek God in that. We'd rather have a truth that fits our agenda. Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. That's part of that, part of that verse, but it's not all of that verse. So we're okay with that that part. God, teach me that I may walk in your truth. But there's another part that that kind of pulls it together. It says, unite my heart to feel fear, fear ah, Unite my heart to fear your name. What does it mean to unite my heart to fear your name? Well, that's, that's a strange phrase, isn't it? If you think about it for just just a moment, you you know how it is to have a divided heart. Have you ever been, maybe you've been on a mission trip or visited somewhere and you really liked it and you said, you know, like, I've been on a mission trip to Guatemala. I left part of my heart in Guatemala. Or, Or my heart is in West Virginia or my heart is in Ecuador, wherever it happens to be. There's a part of me that is there. And so we all the time use phrases that would talk about a divided heart. But here the psalmist is talking about a heart that not only seeks after God, but seeks after something else. And the psalmist is saying, Unite my heart to fear your name. God, put me in a place where all of my heart is centered on what you want and your truth and your desire for me. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Help my heart to be set on you. See, God defines truth. Believers discern truth. The third part, third point is action displays truth. See, assurance of whose you are is declared through your action. To so look at verse 3. It says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. That word keep means to guard from injury or loss. It also means to watch over. And See, see the deception in verse 4? Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar that's the outward declaration that i belong to christ but i'm not really belonging to christ because there's not evidence of that when becca or not becca when debbie was in college she went on a retreat with a church and and was listening to testimonies of people talk about their relationship with god and how it changed their life and although she had grown up in church and been part of a church been baptized in a church sat in a pew every week what she realized is she was missing the relational piece of that and so she had all the outward all the outward appearances of being a good church member without the relational piece of that without having a relationship with God and so there was a lifestyle disconnect in her life and it and it had to do with the relation the relationship so when there's a lifestyle disconnect from the commands and the truth of Christ, John calls that person a liar. And that word liar means to have broken faith. It means to there's some kind of separation there between how you live and what you say you live. And so what John says, whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word The love of God is perfected. The idea that God provides truth, we have to allow God's truth defined by Him to be absorbed in us. And what we really want is we want the the things that are not of God to not become part of our lives. And so you you know how it works it's there's a natural thing that happens with us when we ingest bad food. Right? You know what that how that works? You ingest bad food, your body recognizes that and reacts to it in a couple of different ways. And so what we want for is for the truth of God to be absorbed, but the things that are not True, according to God, to be spewed out or or expelled. And so we have to do that with versions of truth that are not from God, just as the same as our bodies do with food that is rancid. And then the result of that, the love of God is perfected. We begin to reflect God's character. And it brings assurance to us it says by this we may know that we are in him and then in verse 6 whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked well that's a that's a pretty tall order to to walk the way Jesus walked and yet we see John saying it here we see Paul saying it in other places to walk in a manner worthy of the lord and so when i when i read that and know that that these words are inspired by God, they're truth according to God. Say, how does that take place? It takes place through submission to Him. The the word in that passage, whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way. That word ought is an obligation. It's not a suggestion. It's not like if you feel like it, walk like this. It's an obligation or um, something we are bound to do. And it shows up in our life when we are submitted to the truth that, as God defines it. We have a life, a, a truth-declaring life, a love-displaying life, a fruit-producing life, and a grace-extending life. So we are looking at all four of those. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed and truth. If we were to say, "Okay, how does our life reflect God? How does our our life work in in this in as we walk in the same way that Jesus walked?" It's by doing having those four things: truth declaring, love displaying, fruit producing, and grace extending. And do you find that it is difficult to do that in the culture in which we live? I think it's hard. You see, we can declare truth according to God's Word, but it doesn't mean that the person on the other side of that is going to accept it. We can display love, but honestly, there are people that are hard to love. In in fact, I'll, I'll go another step. There are people in church, that are hard to love.
0: Hmm.
1: There's fruit-producing life. And that's, that's that, what is your life actually producing that shows that you belong to Christ? And then grace extending, because there are a lot of folks that do not understand the love or the grace of God. And they've never experienced the forgiveness of God. And yet, the Word says that we should be a grace extending people. And it's hard. But if we go back to truth as God defined it, and we say, God. By your Holy Spirit, teach me and mature me in that truth. Help me to discern what is of you and what is not of you. Then allow, as I learn and as I'm matured, as I'm molded, allow my life to display that truth. So that love can be perfected in me and I can display who you are. So what do you believe about the truth of God? it starts with a relationship. It's hard to know the truth of God apart from a relationship with God because you need the Holy Spirit in you to teach you what that is. And so are you able to even discern what the truth of God is from the lies of this world or fake truth or exchange truth or compromise truth? Are you able to do that? And then how well is your life, the way you're living your life, bringing confidence to the equation? Are you confident that you have a relationship with him because you see, you get that assurance from the way you're able to take in truth but live out truth? Because John kind of says, you, "By as we look at your life, as you look at your own life, it brings assurance to you. So this morning, a couple of quick things, a couple of quick invitation things. First of all, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's the first step. And So the invitation is always there to come to know Christ as Savior because that's where it starts. And then secondly, have you been swayed by the logic and per- persuasiveness of this world And it's truth laying aside God's truth. Have you found it pretty easy to compromise in certain areas of your life that wouldn't necessarily line up with God's word? Well, the the remedy for that is found in 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a, I recognize this, I confess this, I repent from it, and I want to move forward. And so God Change my life. Help me to trust you. And so this morning, I want to ask if you would to make a declaration. We talked about a declaration of independence. What about a declaration of dependence? What if we made a declaration of dependence for us that we would rely on God for truth? That we'd rely on His Spirit to teach us? And then we rely on his grace to help us to live out that truth for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you that as John talks to little children, he's talking to us in a very pastorally um, manner, encouraging us to seek God. And so this morning, Father, I pray that as we consider our relationship to God, as we consider your truth and how we line up with that, Father, I pray that you would help us to make the decisions that would bring honor and glory to your name. And so, Father, as we trust in who you are, God, help us to bring honor to you and exalt your name. We pray in Jesus' name.
2: stand together.
3: In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, i through the fiercest trial. Storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand, there in the ground, is body the world The power of Christ stand.
0: Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.